With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's yours. The world is yours. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin Kincaid, Dave Zeitlin. I'm back. Baxter the dog is here. Markel Fultz will join us later. We'll talk about the. Uh, we'll talk about the process. You know, we go back ways. Uh, we trusted the process before people knew what the process was. We'll talk about that a little bit. So I'm no panelist here. I have to try to live up to his high billing. I do want to say that Dave, yeah, Dave has returned to the podcast uh, two weeks after uh, the birth of his his daughter. Congratulations. Yeah, two weeks. Exactly. And that, to me, that proves, that proves to you, in case anybody doubted it, your total commitment to the podcast. <laughs> and, uh, I'll do anything for this. Your, <laughs> your understanding of the uh, priority. I'll bring my two-week-old daughter to the uh, next podcast. When she's three weeks, she'll be able to uh, contribute, I think. She'll contribute more than Baxter, I think. <laughs> that's for sure. And she'll probably say, she'll probably start talking before he does. Uh, but no, seriously, man, congratulations. Yeah, how's, it, how's it been yeah, going we're, so far? We're hanging in there. You know, she's been good, knock on wood. She's been sleeping for a few hours at a time, which is always good. Yeah. And our three-year-old seems to enjoy having her here so far. Yeah, so how's uh, he doing with it? Does he understand yeah, the you know, concept yeah, of having a sister? He, he understands it pretty well. He, he's almost four now, so he's uh, it's a pretty good age difference. The, he likes trying to hold her and give her her bottle. and Yeah, two new soccer fans, I guess. Well, there you go. That's all <laughs> I can ask for. And uh, I've been sick uh, for like the last four days or whatever but here i am as well so we got two uh two soldiers under very different very different circumstances that have uh reconvened for a soccer talk in philadelphia i will tell you it is a little hard to get back into the whole like work mode and it's partly because having a a new kid but i just feel like with the union right now there's not a lot of like big storylines well you know what my big my big storyline for the weekend was uh i showed up to uh, Talon five minutes late on Sunday night, still wearing my ref gear yeah. uh, from the weekend, sweating profusely because I didn't. <laughs> I decided not to turn the air conditioner on in the the Ford Ranger because I don't think it works very well. But uh, and quite red, you look quite sunburned. Yeah, I got really sunburned. <laughs> I was sick at the time. Apparently, I didn't know it. I did like seven games on uh, Saturday, and I did, or six games on Saturday, and five games on Sunday. And I spent the if any of the uh, listeners are probably familiar with it if they have a kid or if they played down there before. I did a weekend tournament at the Tuckahoe Turf Farms in Hamilton, wow. and it's just this huge like complex in the middle of friggin' nowhere. There's no shade anywhere. Uh, there's a, well, just a little bit, but it's, you got to <laughs> walk like half a mile just to get to like the. It's like I don't even know how to describe it. Hamilton's like blueberry capital of the world or whatever. Right? So there's a lot of open space, a lot of fields and stuff, and there's this dirt road, one dirt road in, one dirt road out a huge parking lot and like just 60 fields, just like acres of like green, perfect, perfect green grass. But you park and you got to walk like forever to get to your fields. And you're kind of stuck there all day. Just game, game, game off game, game, game off dealing with these idiot parents and you know, the cigarette smoking lady who was going, win the ball, win the ball. 
second. I Any good like, prospects for the uh, transfer window for the union? Uh, there's this one kid who looked like <laughs> Kalen Carr who was out there who was just slicing and dicing this team. I don't know. They had like a U17 team playing a U16 team for some reason. But that's, that's how I spent my weekend. So by the time I rolled up to uh, the Philadelphia Union game on Sunday, that was my 13th game of the weekend. And uh, I was just kind of bored. How to compare yeah. that game to the rest of the games you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, well, yeah. there weren't any red cards. There weren't any red cards in the. The two know. big storylines from the game, I'd say, were the uh, Jones red card and then um, Jesse Marsh having to leave a few minutes before the final whistle <laughs> to catch a flight yeah. to Poland. Yeah, all right, we for, got it in the bag. Later. I, that's amazing. Could you imagine if, if that happened in like a different league? Or it has happened. Believe it or not, I, I forgot this at the time, but it's the second time that's happened at, in Chester. Do you know what the other one was? Uh, was it a coach? It was a player. A player who had to leave. He left like immediately following the game. Uh, I'm not sure. It was 2012. Was it? it was the All-Star game. And David Beckham, as soon as oh, the game was over, got on a plane and flew back out, to yeah. London. Yeah, because the Olympics were going on. He did. He was part of the... Oh, yeah. Didn't he like helicopter in like that day too or something? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 he that, did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is basically how I travel too. But, that was uh, one of the best games that we've seen in this stadium. That was like a, a game-winning goal from Eddie Johnson, I think, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> that was, a, yeah, that was a good game. Minute, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but that's... Yeah, Jesse Marsh running, running out at the uh yeah i actually had to write we a thought story. he was pulling a joe paterno <laughs> yeah. To, yeah i actually had to write a story on that mls wanted it so i asked uh, chris armis just what that was like <laughs> having to watch your coach leave and he's gone until friday and they have a big game coming up saturday it's the uh, new york derby so kind of interesting do you think that's if you're a, a red bull fan do, do you want your coach leaving for uh, europe to get a a UEFA coaching license, which basically means he can coach in Europe. No, someday. Yeah, of, so. of course I don't. Of course, like who, who the hell signed off on that? I mean, it's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But I did appreciate you coming back into the uh, press round, press lounge <laughs> later and saying, "Hey, does anybody need Chris Armis? Chris Armis, <laughs> <Chris Armas laughs> <Nope. laughs> no, we're good. Do you guys need Chris Armis or Bradley Wright Phillips? Or something? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Okay, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's what I had to do. Unfortunately, we did talk to while you were doing that. Matt and I did talk to uh, Mr. Vince Nogueira oh, yeah. in the hallway there. Um, just Honorary a, captain. Yeah, just a short little conversation. Is hey, how you doing, man? He was talking to Damian Perrinell and. Uh, just said, hey, how's everything going? Good. And you here for a little bit? Yeah, I'm flying back tomorrow, Monday. Um, you know, I, he said I, he enjoyed being here and missed being here. We didn't really press him, obviously, on why yeah. he left or whatever because it wasn't the time or place, but he just said something to the effect of, yeah, I just had to go. It's like, all right, so, hey, good seeing you, man. But um, It seemed like there's a lot of goodwill from fans. I mean, you'd think there might be some fans who could be annoyed, like he left in the middle of the season, kind of hurt the season. But, I mean, fans seem pretty happy to see him yeah like, there was there was a small portion of fans who thought that he kind of quit on yeah. the team and, and you know if this was uh you know the philadelphia eagles or something yeah. then you'd, you know he'll be on the radio uh, 23 hours a day he would yeah the takes would be coming <laughs> in hard and fast you know but yeah. no it was nice to see him too but uh yeah as far as the game i mean i honestly i didn't i didn't do player player grades or whatever uh, analysis for it because number one i couldn't rewatch it because it was national tv sunday night so by the time the blackout was lifted on mls live it would have been today wednesday that i would have been able to watch it again and there really wasn't all that much to talk about you know because the red card, the card was a big thing red card ruined it all right, well, about, let's, yeah. all right so let's let's talk about the red card then i mean your your thoughts now seeing it a billion times i'm with you yeah, i mean i think I think the same as you. It was a good call. It was a little harsh. I mean, Curtin said today he's not going to appeal. We talked to uh, Jones briefly. He said he was going for the ball. I mean, he's a young kid. I don't think he was doing anything malicious. You know, it's kind of an awkward timing on it. Um, 
but they're not going to appeal. He said he says he feels bad about it. You know, these things happen, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, and my my take was, you know, the original exchanges that I had with some people online was that was you know I wasn't trying to, you know, talk down to anybody and saying like how can you dispute that? But I mean, based on the precedent that's been set over the last couple of years, we've seen people sent off for those kinds of tackles where it's just coming in high, you miss the ball, studs are showing. You can get into the semantics of that. But, you know, based on what we've seen in the past, nobody should have been surprised that he was sent off. It doesn't mean that I don't – it doesn't mean that I agree with that ruling or that interpretation of it because, you know, again, first of all, Felipe, I'm convinced he didn't even touch him now that I watched it a bunch of times. It looked like he started going down before he – just when he saw the foot up there. And uh, number two, why can't that just be a yellow card yeah. anyway? You know. Yeah. And that's what Jim. Jim is always. The, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I'm just saying you, you feel bad for the kid too because it was his first start in like a couple of months. He's coming off the um, World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup and the Open Cup gold just a few days ago. So it's kind of a good timing for him to get the start. He's playing against um, Tyler Adams, his uh, his um, his uh, teammate mm-hmm. at the World Cup, and then you just you know he gets sent off. It'll, it was a tough thing for him, and now he's the red card, so he probably loses his place in the lineup for. Decent yeah. amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Jim has always said, and we asked him about this after the game, you know, going back to last year when Pro was sending off a lot of people when they had changed the interpretation of the rule, we, we've asked him about the a concept of studs up, studs showing, right? And he, Jim has always been consistent in saying that he saying you can't really go to ground and make a slide tackle without your studs being exposed in some form, right? Um, when you slide into the corner at speed running, you know, with somebody, then your studs are going to be facing away from that person. But in the case of, of Derek, yeah, his studs are going to be up there. I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't, I tend to agree with, with, with Jim as a defender and a, and a guy who's played a lot of games that there's always going to be some kind of chance that you're going to be able to spike somebody or hit somebody on a follow through. There's tackles that look a lot worse than they really are, but I don't think you can ever judge somebody's intent. Like, you can really, really tell. When Brian Mullen came in and broke Steve Zakawani's leg like five or six years right. ago, obviously we yeah. knew what was going on there. But you can tell the difference between a tackle like that and a Derek Jones tackle where he just misses the ball. Yeah, it didn't you look know? bad. So to lump everything in together and say that there's no real gray area for studs exposed, I mean, it just kind of seems a little myopic to me because not all of those tackles are the same thing. Do you think they uh, would have won the game if it- – if it was played uh, even strength, I think probably I because I mean Bradley Wright Phillips didn't score at all at the 88th minute. The Red Bulls weren't playing well. Even they said they weren't playing well. Bradley uh, Wright Phillips said he was um dreadful the entire game. So yeah. they're playing at home. The Red Bulls aren't in great form right now. I think the Union probably w- would have won the game. So that's a lost. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty I big probably, swing I because of that one call. I wasn't impressed with with Red Bull. You know, I wasn't really that impressed with Philly either. I mean, they had a couple looks in the in the first. But um, Harris Madunini really wasn't able to move the ball the way that he normally does. I mean, they did a good job kind of squeezing him out and making a lot of his movement restricted to his own half of the field. Um, CJ got mugged again and wasn't getting those calls. Colin Uh, body slammed him a couple times. Yeah, more than the red card or anything. I I think the thing with Alan Chapman and with all these guys is that they just fail to – more so than sending offs and and discipline and stuff like that, pro's biggest issue in my mind – um, is that they just fail to set the tone early. 
you know, and they allow allow things to get out of control, and uh, you know, foul's a foul, whether it's minute one or it's minute ninety, you know. Yeah, and so then you don't have guys, you know, wrestling with each other later if you blew the whistle yeah. earlier, you know. We'll just move it on to uh, this week. You know, Jim said he he I won't appeal, but Ali is uh, fine to play, so it's not it's not a huge thing that uh, Jones can play because you have Ali going back there with Harris, so that should be able to uh, set the tone. Um, and then, yeah, as far as today, the big storylines, we were both down there for the press conference. There really wasn't much. A lot of us were kind of trying to talk about the uh, game um, last night. Bethlehem Steel played Harrisburg, and yeah. the, the back line was basically the back line we thought would be the starting uh, union back line coming in, and they got a shutout, so, so that's good. But at the same time, it's kind of interesting to see those uh, four guys in Harrisburg on a Tuesday, right? Well, here's the thing. It's... Uh... You know, the personnel changes that Jim made to put Gooch and Gaddis and uh, Elliot back there, they got you out of the slump, uh, and they won four games in a row, right? Um, now they've lost three games in a row. Right. So, I back. mean, what is the valuation then? Are you still looking at them as the group of guys that, that got you out of this thing, or are they now sort of just fi- almost 500? Yeah, and I mean, I was calling for Keegan to get back in the lineup even during this streak when those guys were playing well, and I think Jack and Gooch have been good together, um, but I mean, yeah, it seemed like Jim today, we were kind of asking about it, he said the defense hasn't been a problem, he pointed to the uh, number of goals that, they, that they've given up in the past uh, six games, I think, which hasn't been too many, so it sounds like... You know, he's going to keep the four who played against the uh, Red Bulls versus D.C. and maybe keep the uh, the uh, Bethlehem four as the Open Cup game next week. So it sounds like mm-hmm. he's not going to do make any changes and kind of yeah. keep the four together. Which I'm not I, 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 I'm not a big fan of it. I'll, I'll be honest. I think Richie and Keegan are two big pieces of this team and Josh Yarrow, too. And he's got to get these guys back in the that's, lineup. That's what I'm point. saying. I don't. And it's not whether they've been defending well or not. It's the fact that overall where you look at the, where the team is in the table, it's another 10th place versus 11th place game this week, you know? And, you know, no coach obviously is going to say, well, it's time to move on from the likes of Fabinho and Anyewu who don't have a future here. Um, and, you know, put Wijnaldum and Rosenberry and whoever back on the, and Yara, whoever back on the field, mm-hmm. but we all know it. You know, so what it you're just, gonna are you gonna keep like sort of floundering and like this purgatory yeah. of of these guys got us out of it and they're probably playing better even though everybody knows that they're not the future. Yeah, I mean, it's like last you know? year Keegan was the the um, rookie of, of the year, um, runner up. Josh Yarrow was the best player in the draft. Um, there was a time where we were saying that um, Richie Marquez was one of the best young defenders in the league. And then, so are these guys just not as good as we thought? Is he trying to send them like a message by putting them on the bench? Is he going to like move on from them at some point? Because I'd say like a message is, is a few games, but when you don't play the entire season, you got to question like what that does for their growth and their development. Were, were they overly hyped? I mean, last year, are they not that good? I mean, I think we have to ask these questions about yeah, these guys, right? Right. It's, it's, yeah, at this point, it's beyond a, it's beyond a benching, you know, it's beyond a lesson, you know, for Keegan. Now I'm sitting here thinking, I'm looking at him in a Bethlehem steel uniform and I'm looking at Brandon Vincent, uh, playing every single minute of every single game this year and playing really, really well. And, uh, you know, it's just funny to me how much has changed, you know, with those two players in the same amount of time. You know, one guy struggled immensely to start, and Keegan would, came flying out of the gates, you know, and now Vincent is probably the better player. Uh, and I think eventually it'll level out, and they'll both kind of be the same kind of player. They'll both be 
long-term bona fide starters in this league. But yeah, again, I mean, it, it's we all know we all know what the story is here. Uh, Josh Yarrow, Keegan Rosenberry, Gilliano Wijnaldum. I mean, those are going to be the guys who are going to be on the field for some time. It's not to take anything away from like Ray Gaddis, who's only 27, and Ray I think has been playing really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, now now Jim is at the point where this correction, this personnel change, this lesson has almost turned into an overcorrection. Yeah. You know, I think they're I'd stuck at, stuck at this with this personnel conundrum where they really don't know what to do with yeah. it, you know. Unless you you really think that that a guy like um Jack Elliott is the next big star. I mean, he could he's played well. I talked to him today. His dad was in town. His dad, big, his dad is scoop. not his dad is not big. six foot five. Either. His dad is only like six foot two. Probably. Yeah, his dad only. played. He told me his dad played for a um, youth academy. Um, I forget where it was, but uh, yeah. So in I England, mean, right? Actually, I think Scotland. Maybe. Oh, really? I think he might have been from Scotland. Yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah, uh, West Virginia head coach Marlon LeBlanc was hanging out too, watching tra- <laughs> training on Wednesday. And uh, I think okay. his son was. I think Marlon's son was was training with the juniors or something okay. later. Yeah, it's a little. That's a little kid who was uh, sitting there on the. Okay. But yeah, I, I, and Elliot Aberdeen I, I, was the academy. Aberdeen, okay. His dad played for. Elliot, um, big scoop can can pass the ball better than any other center back on the team right now. And no, the defense hasn't been an issue. But yeah, I mean, at what point are you going to put yeah. these guys back in? Um, I mean, Jack and Gooch have been playing well. To give him credit, I mean, they probably would have had another uh, clean sheet if not for uh, for uh, for I'm um, going down a man. And not having Ollie, and they're playing uh, DC this week. If you want to talk about them, who obviously is not a great. Offensive, yeah, juggernaut. they're exactly. they're garbage. Well, they just signed to Shorn Brown. They yeah, they go. play Wednesday night tonight um, against Atlanta. I think that's a home game for them, isn't it? I could be wrong. Um, but I, I, you know, again, here we are. The four game winning streak is like a thing of the of the past. You yeah. know, it's tenth place Philadelphia versus eleventh place DC again. Because I think the last time these two teams played, it was ten versus eleven. It feels like a long time ago that four game winning streak. Yeah, it was. Well, it was a month more than. I only had one kid back when. Yeah, Back then. <laughs> you only had one kid, exactly. Right. And I was uh, still on vacation in Florida. But I just... And the Sixers didn't even have the first pick then. I mean, think about it. They're, they're, this team now is uh, eight, you know, 18th out of 22 teams in the combined standings. Uh, you know, you're in the doldrums of the summer where in, a, in the middle of a three-game home stand against three Eastern Conference teams at home. I mean, people, this this should be the part of the summer that people are excited about. Yeah, you, you know, got national TV last week. School's out. You got national TV. You got the Heineken rivalry. Heineken, Heineken rivalry. rivalry. Holy shit. This, you know, it's like, and I'm just. Kevin's I'm, drinking three Heinekens right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm sitting here saying, like, and I, I shouldn't admit this as, as like one of the main beat writers who covers this team, one of the four of us, right? But like, I'm, I'm like bored, man. Yeah. It's just not. I'm bored. I'm like bored to tears. Yeah. This is, there's no, like, e- even in bad union teams in the past, there have been like drama. There's been interesting storylines. I mean, and maybe we'll get some of that in the transfer window, but just right now, it just kind of feels like there's a lull. There's yeah. no pop, man. There's no buzz. I mean, this is this is probably the most boring season that I've ever covered. Yeah, I would you say that? I would. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that just in the sense that you know, back I used to write almost a story a day for at, for like MLS, and I used to have a lot of things to write about. And this week, you know, I was just trying to think of good stories and. And maybe it's just me right now, just trying to get back in the whole mode. But I just had no great ideas to like write no, about. It, so. I mean, I scraped together something yeah. on Brandon Vincent, you know, Tuesday. So th- there you go. Um, 
What the hell was I just going to say? Uh, yeah, 10th versus 11th place. Yeah. So they got DC and then they got New England at home after that. New That's England. national TV too. So, yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. New England doesn't have a road win this year. So, uh, I mean, surely you got to beat DC because if not, you're then last place in the Eastern Conference and you just lost to the, the worst team in the Eastern Conference and you've lost two in a row at home and four in a row overall. I mean, we're are we right back to where we were? Not 250 days without a win, yeah. but I mean, like it's... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I still think this could be a team that could finish anywhere between, you know, third and 10th in, in the conference. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they make another run uh, to get back in in the playoff conversation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're not, it, it's obviously not like an elite team. I mean, it's a, it could be a pretty good team, but we're not really sure. They're yet. always going to be in the conversation yeah. because of the ridiculous, playoff, you know, it's, and that's, that's the bullshit about it, but whatever. Um, what, what else you got on that list? Should we take questions? Well, you wanted to mention right. Pfeffer, didn't you? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, um, Pretty good story written by uh, Matt DeGeorge on uh, Zach Pfeffer, which I thought was interesting. Is you know we didn't kind of realize what happened to him, but he basically decided to quit soccer at the age of 21 and go to college. So, you know, there's a lot of questions about you know, did the union sign him too young? He was 15. He was the fourth youngest player ever to sign. And Jim Curtin's quotes were like, "Why is he quitting soccer? He's only 22 years old right now. Like he could still play, but." You question if he got burnt out or if he just he just wasn't like developed properly. Because you know, when a couple of years ago, I remember John Hackworth telling me once he would have been the best college player ever if he decided to play college soccer, which he didn't. So there there's a ton of hype around him. He showed some some promise, and it's kind of sad to see in some ways. But he seems happy now. Like he's 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 in college. He gets to be a college student. He's he seems like he's interested in uh, finance so if you haven't checked it out check out the story written by matt i wanted to write the story but he beat me to it the <laughs> jerk what's so i so what is your takeaway i mean is the zach pfeffer thing a sad story in the end you know it's it's in in a purely soccer sense it's sad because like why i just i just don't understand why peter novak and the union were signing these kids at 15 and 16 and like Jimmy McLaughlin, like a year after Colgate, they're signing him. Christian Hernandez before college, it, they just didn't have the like mechanism back then. They didn't have the steel. The, the academy wasn't really mm -hmm. here yet. There's no high school, so they were signing these kids, and they just didn't really have a plan how to like that, how to um just properly grow them. I think that's the key. And develop yeah. them. Yeah, I think that's the key there because you look at Zach's. You know, he there was a loan out to Hoffenheim. You know, some Harrisburg time. It just there wasn't any place for these kids to go. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's the real criminal thing about it is that they just sort of got stuck with 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 nothing to do, with no yeah. real minutes to play. And uh, yeah, but on the flip side of it, I think that at 21 years old, he can look back and say, "Look at all these cool experiences I had in places said, that yeah. I went and stuff." And uh, and he, you know, I, when I think about what the hell I was doing at that age, I was probably sitting in the, in the basement playing Goldeneye. Right. You know, so he could I mean, he could yeah. be just as well go get his college degree and be as successful as anybody yeah. else and say, hey, I also had this little side thing. You know, he did talk about that, and he did have a long. I mean, for a lot of people, it's a long pro career. I mean, six years, I guess, because it started when when he was fifteen. So yeah. he could look back at those experiences. He made some like money along the way. That kids at that teenagers don't make um yeah yeah you, you just think about like what if a lot like what if he had gone to college what if he 
Is he was like living at home with his parents, playing for the union. It probably didn't feel like he was a professional. A I don't lot of times he was still be, going to high school then. So you know what? I don't. Yeah, I think that's my takeaway. I don't think it has to be a sad story or a happy story necessarily, but it is kind of a cautionary tale of what happens when you try to jump the gun on these things before you have any kind of. Yeah. place for them to go steal whatever you know so the moral uh, is peter novak ruins teenagers between pfeffer <laughs> and freddie Adair. he so. ruins more than teenagers <laughs> all right on that note um oh, questions yeah. yeah what do we got as far let's as see twitter yeah, what do we got here, here. Uh, let's let's get some dead air um baxter fill the dead air he's like <laughs> la- he's like laying face down on the floor right now because he's it's uh it's like you know it's hot and so he tries to get to the hardwood floor where it's cool and try to lower himself as <laughs> physically possible first question was from our friend uh i'm jeffrey mitchell does your um newborn have any updates on marisa do her first word is going to be a uh, tibia i think so tibia <laughs> or yeah. abductor strain Abd- yeah. <laughs> oblique uh mr brian j smith have we reached the all-in for the open cup stage yet um so the, the interesting thing about this roster is they could put out a pretty good Open Cup team just, like, kind of based on what we were talking about before. Like, their backup back four is basically their starting back <laughs> yeah, four. So yeah. I don't think they need to go all in. I think they could, even with a few guys off the bench, they could they can go all in for the Open Cup. So I, I think they could do both. Um, obviously, the, the playoffs are not out of the question for MLS, as we yeah. talked about, as everyone gets in. So I think that they can manage both pretty well. It's a top open cup game though next week against the Red Bulls. I just hope it doesn't turn into another twenty fifteen where they're they're basically out of you know, regular season contention, then once the open cup's over, everything's over, you know. Was the last time they played in the open cup against the uh the um Red Bulls on the road? Was that when John McCarthy had those crazy saves yeah. and the shootout? It was at four PM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've had some crazy open cup games versus the Red Bulls. That I have to say, and this will be a column for like couple like next week or something. But uh, that was Nick Sakevich's high water mark, I think. Uh, he was like fighting well for the team there. Yeah. Yeah, and they organized the bus trip to get all the fans yeah, up there and everything, well and there. they they leveraged they 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 did a really good job to make sure that the union had an advantage going into that. They wouldn't let Red Bulls yeah. score them out of it with their bullshit or whatever. But and then last year the open cup game versus the Red Bulls was when Jesse Marsh. Uh, th- uh, through the ball, or was that two years ago? Yeah. Was that last year? Well, they'll teach yeah. him not to do that in Poland <laughs> at the UEFA. The course. first class, don't throw balls at the opposing coach. Yeah. All right, we're going to start simple here. Uh, uh, Media Mike, if the Union failed to make the playoffs, who is most likely gone for 2018? Everybody. Every, I don't think I don't think they clean house. I think no. they'll still keep Curtin. Probably. I don't, I don't know. Alberg and El Cino, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Alberg and El Senior, people have asked the summer transfer window, and those guys aren't really cutting it at the 10. I, I still feel like they need a, kind of a marquee number 10. I haven't, been, I, mean. I haven't been impressed with either one of them, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I've tried to give it as much time as possible, but it's just... The thing about the union is they get these guys between Alberg, El Senior, Chaco, Achaco, uh, Maidana. They get these guys who are talented, but they're just not like the... Try, I tell you what, man. Christian they don't Maidana, anchor the team. Christian Maidana had... Ten times more production than El Senio and Auburn. That's true. You know? He had like thirty some assists when he was here. So I, you know, but they still need. You... They still need like a marquee guy there. Yeah. What is what is Greg saying? Greg Troxell. I haven't gotten him. I yet. just saw the uh, is this LV Lehigh Valley? Is that what it is? Golden Knights jerseys. They're terrible. <laughs> a wasted effort. Who who has the worst kit in the M- in MLS? You tell uh, me. I'd say the Philadelphia Union. <laughs> <laughs> Bimbo. Seriously, I hate I hate Bimbo. Yeah, 
it's just so like to, I don't, I don't want to say tone deaf. Tone deaf's not the right word because when you're paying twelve million dollars for it, nothing's tone deaf. But it just doesn't like mesh. With I don't mind it. It just yeah. leads to questions. Like I have my three year old wear the bimbo jersey to school, and <laughs> people are like, "Why is he wearing yeah. a bimbo shirt?" The worst, <laughs> the worst jerseys in MLS are. Oh, I hate the I hate DC's like um, yeah, yeah. Iron Man looking web, whatever that is. I don't know. There's some bad ones. Uh, Luke McClung asks, "What does yesterday's steel back line say about who's playing against DC?" I think it says that the steel back line, like we talked about, is going to play in the Open Cup game versus the Red Bulls and the. The Gooch uh, Jack Elliott backline is probably going to play against DC, right? Yeah, probably. Here's a here's another good one from uh, Jeff Mitchell. If the Philadelphia Union franchise was a hair metal band, who would they be and why? That's all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they would be. I think this is. I think this is your next one thousand word <laughs> column. <laughs> they would probably. You know who the Union would be? They would be like. Uh, they would be Quiet Riot. Because they would like explode onto the scene with a lot of interest, and they'd have like a great, uh, you know, couple of songs. Uh, but come on, feel the noise. It's actually a cover, and Dupe is also a cover song too. So they both stole their most popular song, and then they totally died out. Nobody's interested in them anymore. Anthony Clark, pretty depressing. Does this team have any positives, or is that four-game win streak a fluke? <laughs> Zero positive. They have a nice beer garden up yeah, there. Yeah, you up know, in it's, the, uh, it's a good game. It's yeah. a good game day. Uh, nice experience. river there. I was reading something on big. I was reading something on big soccer that says like another fan got into it with Ernie at the Red Bull game, but I don't. Really? I can't corro- corroborate. Yeah. Okay. If you're out there, give me a call. <laughs> MK twenty seven seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Expect any changes in the summer window, or is there too much tied up in Moadu, Roland Alberg, and Jay Simpson, three players who we saying there's don't too play much that much tied up. If they were, if they, money. if they had the resources right now, they'd buy out both El Sino and and Roland Alberg and find another number yeah. ten because it's it's clear that neither neither of those guys is going to be the guy. And with Moadu, I think I think they know he's probably not going to play, but they're not going to. They're not going to buy him out. They'll just wait till uh, yeah, his, yeah. his contract expires at the end of the year. Uh, Robert Hopkins, for fun, which uh, former union player would you bring back that would have an immediate impact on the current 11? Oh, that's a good question. Chaka. Chaka Maidana. Jack McInerney. Let me tell you this. Imagine if they had convinced Tranquil Barnett to stick around for one more year. With him at the 10 yeah. in front of Bedoya and, and, and Harris. That, that would be their probably most talented midfield yeah. they've had. Yeah. Um, who who else would we want to see play? Um, man, we should know this. We've seen so many guys. Levy Huapa. <laughs> I don't know if you can pry. Can Christo you Sosa. can you pry him away from Christos? <laughs> he's making a lot of money for the amateur team. I think he's got cup. a uh, pretty big buyout. <laughs> he's the linchpin of that. Yeah, you have to give him like three uh, bottles of uh, yeah. j- Jack uh, honey. To, uh, don't they like practice at a beer, oh, yeah, beer yeah. store or something, liquor store? Or something yeah, like well, it's funny because we talked about this. There, that one missed. Most guys who play for the union and leave, they don't really go on to like huge things. I mean, I guess like a Roscoe. Uh, like had some national team appearances after leaving in 2010, but how about part, strikers? I mean, any obscure? Well, yeah, would, would Carlos Ruiz improve this team in his prime? <laughs> a, a prime uh, Carlos Ruiz, Gabriel Gomez? I don't. Yeah, Fernando Aristigueta. Fernando Aristigueta. I don't. Yeah, I have no clue. Uh, Howie Herman, can we get a three behind a striker of Herbers, Nadjem, and Fafa once Fabian is healthy? Are they the future? Um, I guess that means no, no Pontius. I mean, I think Najem could be the starting 10 eventually. He's been playing well for Bethlehem. I like Fafa, what he's brought. Herbers, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a decent decent players to keep around. I'm not sure if it's a, if it's good enough uh, front line right now. Did you know that? What do you think? Come on, feel the noise was a cover song. Nah. Yeah, I don't think most people realize that. Quiet Riot stole that song from a band <laughs> called Slade. Are you I, going back to that? Yeah, I just want to. <laughs> I just want to clear that up in case anybody was uh, okay. confused. Maybe I can end the podcast with a little, with a little yeah, uh, mental health. Yeah. Uh, here's a. Uh, uh, AD says, what 90s sitcom uh, do the union need to make another video of to go on another winning streak? As this is in reference to the uh, oh, Fresh, the Fresh Prince. Prince. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. That's me hard to top, uh, 90s sitcom, or some of your yeah. favorites. I was a Boy Meets World fan, but that wouldn't really work that well. Yeah. Oh, that was Philly. My mom used to watch Wings all the time. Okay. You remember that one? Sort of. With, uh, wasn't Helen Hunt in that? <laughs> I forget who the two dudes were. It was like in an airport. And the guy from Monk is, was in okay. it. Yeah. How so are you a TJF fan? Did you watch like Family Matters, Fresh Prince? Boy no, I didn't watch any of that stuff. Right. Sarah, Sarah always gives me shit because I didn't like, she always makes these references about, uh, what's the one that just came back where they just had like a reunion or something? Full House? Full House. Yeah. Yeah. Where was it Saved by the Bell? No, it was Full House. I didn't watch Full House or Saved by the Bell. And she's like, Full House could work. Like, is how could you not know what that is? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I didn't. I agree I didn't with Sarah watch on TV. this one. Yeah. Uh, more transfer. Uh, Doobie Brothers, what position will your um, newborn play? Mine will be a left back, so that's taken. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Any newborn exercises <laughs> for footwork you'd suggest? I was going to say left back, but that's taken. So. Uh, I mean. She really just spits up now. She can't really hold her head up yet. I feel like once she holds her head up, then maybe she can <laughs> slot in in the, in the central midfield. Yeah, put your head on a swivel. <laughs> uh, Pedrinho says... Uh, Where are you getting all these questions? I don't even see anymore. Oh, I think there are rep- some people are replying you. to okay. thing, Yeah. Why do you think inner-city youth are more prone to become absorbed by basketball and football rather than soccer and other sports? Wow, that's a deep, yeah, that's a deep serious. question. We're trying to keep it light. Man, it's the 33 minutes of the podcast. I don't know what we talk about it's that. It's a good question. That though. is good, though, because it's like soccer, like you don't need that much. You just need a ball and some grass. So. Well, yeah, you know, basketball for sure I think is like a uh, – has been uh, – I think the urban slash African American community has certainly taken an ownership of basketball. Um, if you look at the demographics of who plays in the NBA and who the best players are and who the stars are, there's a certain inner city culture around basketball too. You know, I mean, that's that's natural. Whereas in the United States, for whatever reason, soccer here has always been white and suburban. Yeah. Judging like, judging by my experience at the Tuckahoe Turf Farm over the weekend. I don't know. You'd like to see that. Yeah, I'm not sure what would go into it other than, you know, being more fields, more coaches, just more opportunities for for kids to play soccer in the city. Um, There are some good leagues, I know, but um, I guess there's just not a lot of knowledge about the sport because there's not as much history. I mean, people don't really watch as much. So who's the who's about the union? Who's the first (laughs) union homegrown success story? I mean. Yeah, Jones, who moved to, to Southwest Philly from yeah. Ghana, so, so yeah. you would you would think that they would try to pursue that, you know, yeah. that ca- in the catchment area. You right. know, you would cast a, you would you would first start in the inner city and then go outwards. You know, so I don't, yeah. And yeah. Jim Curtin lives in the city. He he has a son, so you know maybe that kid will uh, will play with his friends for the next few years and uh, get a contract. And- That's right. <laughs> and then you guys can uh, meet again on the baseball uh, baseball. Team. <laughs> The planets. Uh, you an- This is from Don Trahosky Jr. You analyze games. How about practice? 
Do the union work on mistakes, prepare for the next opponent, or stick to the same practice regime? Regime? Um, I guess regimen is what he meant uh, to say. Um, that's a good question, too. I mean, I don't... Yes, they do. A lot of that stuff is behind the scenes. I mean, for the most part, their routine is is pretty similar every week. We're down there most often on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday. I've only been going down on Wednesdays lately, but Wednesdays they do scrimmages and sort of short-sighted things like that and some passing drills. Most of their tactical and game plan stuff is done on Thursdays and Fridays where they'll work on set pieces, uh, film sessions, I think, previewing the next team. But, uh, yeah, they, they do work on those things, but I don't have enough of a – you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not down there on the days necessarily where they do a lot of those things. Right. Mondays and Fridays, I'm not down there where where they do a lot of wrap up, uh, you know, video work and stuff like that. And then Friday when they're executing like set pieces and stuff on the field. If we're down there the day before a game or something, and they're usually they usually practice inside the stadium to yeah. get a feel to get used to being in the stadium. I know that much, but yeah, beyond that, it's just hard to say. Any other questions? I don't, I don't see any more to me. I guess you got some. Do uh, let me see if there's anything else on here. Who have Any C- other- yeah, who have CJ Pontius and Bedoya get the gold cup call? I don't know. I don't think Bedoya does. You don't think Bedoya? Eh, I well, I mean, because he was called. So Jim the- said he knows today, and he said there's going to be damage. I think so. I, I I think maybe they'll lose a couple. We got Andre Blake right for Jamaica. Um, I don't think I I have have CJ Pontius and I don't know have CJ and Pontius done enough to be uh, Chris. Has I mean, CJ would be a little bit out of the blue. He because he, he wasn't in. He hasn't been in the camp for a while. Uh, Pontius, yeah, it's possible. He's he's playing pretty well, I think. I just don't know if he's the kind of guy you want at the Gold Cup. I feel like you want um, like younger players, right, uh, just to see where they're Yeah, where they're you know what, too? People were asking about the Costa Rican guy who was in training. It's uh, what, was it, what was his name? Aguilar? Elia, Elias, Elias Aguilar. Aguilar? Yeah. yeah. We should a curtain said it's, into the... it's nothing really. So, oh. but he 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 said the same thing about uh, Gooch when he was <laughs> when yeah. he was here. So, yeah. Um, what else do we have? Is there anything else in here that I'm missing? Any rants? Uh, you want to talk about the process? RT Armageddon. I would love to talk about <laughs> that. Yeah, I'll let you go on a rant, and then we can just end the podcast. Now, listen, I just, I mean, I thought that whole thing was was corny as hell the other day, just because it's like. I I supported the process from the um, from the viewpoint of like being a neutral, you know. Like I wasn't necessarily on board with tanking and being really crappy, but I also understand that what Philadelphia doesn't have that Philadelphia wants is titles, you know. And so if you're going to take a risk and identify a new way to a- acquire assets and talent that could make you cha- that could help you challenge for a title, then sure, I'm on board. And if that means losing four seasons in a row, okay. Um, you know, so I was kind of half on board, half not on board with the process, but the way that like the legions of Sam Hinky dorks, you know, want to come out and be like, Oh, I told you so, you know, like it's this big circle jerk or something, uh, you know, and all the old writers disagreed with us and now we're going to give them their comeuppance. It's like the, it's like the, it's like the nerdiest slap fight. Of all time, you know? Come on. It's like a bunch of dorky white millennials versus some 60-year-old guy who admits that he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? Aren't you more in the dorky white millennial side? <laughs> you're, I, white, <laughs> you're white and millennials. So that's um, two I, I don't, dude, I don't identify as a millennial. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm, yeah. I'm 32, man. Yeah. So I, uh, I, th- I yeah. think, listen, listen, I think that, like, millennials 
more so than like when you were born. I think what defines whether you're a millennial or not is where you were when the economy went to shit. Because I got out of school like right before the economy tanked. So I got lucky. I found a job. I didn't have to live with my parents or anything. And I, would, I was fortunate enough to get out when I did. But I think I don't I identify more as like a Gen X person than a yeah. but I just think it's, I just think it's kind of pathetic. And I know that they're kind of joking a little bit, but oh, we're going to out everybody who didn't agree with the process. Like get a fucking life. They're going to out you once they listen to this. Podcast. Oh, come on, I get a life, dude. I supported, actually, yeah. the, pro- I supported yeah. the process, yeah. but the hinky people make me not want to support the process because yeah. they're all a bunch of dorks. I'm definitely more on board with those guys than you are. I think it's pretty cool. What they did. And, and I think one of the most exciting things in sports is to have this young core to kind of follow for, you know, five, 10 years to like, to like build around in the, as far as young cores go, Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, you you could argue the best players in each of the last three drafts. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think they're going to sell out the building. I think it'll be fun. And hopefully the it's excitement, man. The union can build from a young core, too. Well, dude, it gives, like it, I, I think the takeaway from the whole process is that it gives you something to be excited about. Right. I mean, because what was the alternative? They're just keep going to keep treading water and be in the eighth seed with Evan Turner and right. Drew Holiday right. and right. Thad Young. So if you're going to blow it up, if taking two steps back to get three steps forward is the the goal of the process, then I'm on board. I just, the people who are behind it are like insufferable. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, Oh, you know, I do, I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to mention too. We, we got some pretty good feedback about people who are interested in donating to the podcast. So I, I think we'll go ahead and roll that out. Um, you yes. know, and, I th- kid needs diapers. Yeah, we'll use the money to buy Dave's kids diapers, and uh, <laughs> I'll get some new stuff for Baxter. Maybe uh, he's been chewing on this bone for like three weeks in a row. I'll get him. Maybe get upgrade Baxter his dog a food. new bone. Hashtag Maybe upgrade it. his dog food. I need new rims on my truck as well. Um, but no, in all seriousness, we had a lot of people who were who were messaging me who were saying, "Yeah, we appreciate the pot, and we'd be happy to donate." So I think what I'll do is I'll just kind of write down a list of. A, B, C, D, here's exactly what we're going to use the money for. We'll put it up. And uh, like I said last week on the pod with Tannenwald, I do have this collection of like old school union memorabilia. Nothing that's amazing. Nothing that you would like hang on the wall or whatever, but some stuff that might be interesting. And so that's like the least I can do as far as like putting together some kind of. How about that plaque of the Boyertown Bears soccer? Yeah, I don't think think anyone One assist, one point. That's all you had that year? Yeah. So it says Boyertown Bears soccer, (laughs) 2002. uh, Kevin Kincaid, midfielder, defender, team record 12-6-2, one assist, one point. And the reason I only had one assist is because I was a D-mid. So I I rarely even... And you could have that plaque for the low, low cost of... $100. Yeah, we should do like a silent auction or something. We should get all the Always Soccer and Philadelphia listeners to come to the studio and like place bids on what they want. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you can have the uh, my diploma sitting yeah. on the thing up there. But uh, we'll go back to doing more podcasts. I guess we missed a couple of weeks. That's my fault. I won't have a yeah, third kid anytime <laughs> soon, so we're. Uh, I think we're all set now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about the kid. Yeah, sorry uh, about the kid. You know, it won't but, again. but that's what Tannenwald's for to help us out <laughs> when uh, when when Dave's uh, busy. Uh, Tannenwald said, said very nice things about me in the beginning of the podcast. No, John's always I was, like, great. I was like tearing up in the hospital. I wanted to. I wanted to get John on for a while, but John knows his shit, and he's going to be doing more union stuff too. So, uh, but yeah, we'll, he we'll definitely put, knows more soccer than me. <laughs> we'll, we'll put all that stuff up I'll, I'll get the fundraiser going and uh you know we'll see what happens but uh final thoughts uh heineken rivalry week <laughs> feel, feel the excitement <laughs> i'm gonna go with so, heineken oh my god yeah well uh you know and the irony of that is that the red bulls are playing the new york team for rival rival rivalry week and not the uh, philadelphia union so there you have it but uh 
All right. Until then, uh, Kevin, Dave, Baxter. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. <laughs>